This episode is sponsored by 5.11, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 5.11 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. Before we get to that code, I want to highlight a couple of products that, again, I personally use today. One of the most impressive products they just released is their Rush Backpack 2.0. Now, for many of you, whether you're going to the fire station, the police station, whether you're traveling with your family, whether you're taking training courses, we have to fly, we have to drive, we have to take trains. And I have to say, I own multiple backpacks, many of uh, 5.11's different ones, but as far as a day pack, this one was the most impressive. There are so many different compartments. The way it sits on your back is incredibly comfortable. If you are a concealed carry person, there's also a spot for a weapon. So they've thought of multiple, multiple things that a man or woman would have to do on a daily basis. That is in addition to all of the products that I talk about a lot. Their uniforms fit for men or fit for women in the first responder professions. The footwear that they offer, whether it's the Norris sneaker or the Atlas system that is designed for foot health and therefore knees and back and hips and shoulders and neck. As a civilian, I live in a lot of their clothes as well. Their jeans stretch. You can actually squat down in them. We live in Florida here, so I wear a lot of their shorts, which again, very, very lightweight material. You can get it wet and it will dry almost immediately. And then moving to the fitness and tactical space, I used to have just a regular weight vest. Recently, I switched to a 511 vest and actually bought ballistic plates as well. My thinking was simply, if I'm going to have a vest, why not have one that protects me as well? And that TAC vest is trusted by law enforcement all around the country. So I mentioned they were going to offer you a discount code. So if you go to 511tactical.com and enter the code SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5, you'll get 15% off not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. Welcome to episode 475 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week I'm extremely excited to bring you a very unique episode. I have on the show Kathy, Madison, Sarah, and Tracy from Firewife Life. Now, all those ladies are married to firefighters, but their backgrounds are very different. Now, I also want to acknowledge that obviously a spouse can be a husband as well. In this particular conversation, they were all wives of firefighters. So we have a spectrum of fire family dynamics from a volunteer to one who's been multiple decades in the fire service. And the perspective that these women have from their lens and also from our lens looking back I think is invaluable not only to anyone who's in a relationship with a firefighter but also the responder themselves whether it's fire whether it's police understanding their perspective understanding what we look like through their eyes I think is so so important before we get to that conversation as I say every single week please just take a moment go to whichever app you listen to this on Subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every five-star rating truly elevates this podcast, and it makes it easier for others to find. And this is a free library of almost 500 episodes of some of the greatest minds on planet Earth. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to everyone else who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you... Kathy, Madison, Sarah, and Tracy. Enjoy.
So I am joined this week by three ladies, potentially four ladies, if Sarah jumps in. But I want to start by saying welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast to Kathy, Tracy, and Madison. So because there's a lot of us, I'll kind of like, you know, start asking each of you your kind of background, and then we'll kind of walk through. So Kathy, you are Todd's wife, Todd Edwards, who's been on the show a couple of times now. Um, so let's start with you. Tell me about kind of your your background, how you became married to a firefighter, and then we'll kind of stop there. And, and then after that, we'll we'll get all your perspectives on, you know, the life of a fire husband or fire wife. Sure. So I met my fire husband about 33 and a half years ago. Met him in Ohio when he was a volunteer captain. And uh, we came here to Atlanta, got married and have raised our family here. We've been married now a little over 31 years. So my background is nonprofit management. And then I left nonprofit management when right before the pandemic, didn't know there was going to be a pandemic, but left right before to help Todd run Fire Life Training, which he started after he retired from the city of Atlanta. So that is how I met these wonderful women also is through some of those um, events that he attended and, and taught at. And that's what kind of brought us all together with all of our unique stories and how we started. Well, staying with you for a moment, in the world of mm-hmm. nonprofits, obviously we hear a spectrum. Um, I've had some people on here that I know don't take a penny from their nonprofit. I mean, obviously there has to be cost covered and that kind of thing. And then we hear all mm-hmm. the way through to, you know, some more infamous ones where yeah. a lot of the donations were being used inappropriately. So, so kind of tell yeah. me, tell me about that world a little bit and how donors can find the ones that are, you know, the worthy ones. Well, I'd say go to GuideStar, but more importantly, every single nonprofit has to put three years of taxes up and show you how they spend the money. It has to be on their website. If it's not, I wouldn't go anyway, because you really have to be able to see that. You have to have it three years in a row. You miss a year. It used to be two years. I think now one, they they actually inactivate you. So it's super important that you check their financials before you do anything. The world of nonprofit is strange and crazy And um, there's something very different about board members who there's an ownership in nonprofit that I have never seen in corporate world. So it's a crazy up and down. Um, It's a lot of control back and forth. But in the end, you'll know the good ones from the bad ones. Some of the larger ones aren't great. All their money, like you said, you've seen them on the news. They go all over the place. But seriously, check the financials. Make sure you see how much of what they're raising goes. And that's how I would choose who to give to, without a doubt. Beautiful. And then just obviously we're going to talk about what you guys are doing. With all the ones you work, are there any any that Mm -hmm. you particularly are endeared to yourself personally that you thought were just a great organization? Okay, St. Jude's Children's Hospital, which has a big budget, but I mean, what they do with their money and and the families they serve, they're amazing. I would give to them in a heartbeat. I love giving to your local homeless shelters and food pantries. They absolutely use the money the most. It, It goes the furthest. They need it more than anybody else does. And I like Gigi's Playhouse which is a national organization out of Chicago for children um, with um, Down syndrome. They have centers all over the country. 
And it was started by a wonderful woman who I just personally adore for her daughter, Gigi. It was named after Gigi. And though that's how I would give. I would look at a St. Jude. I would absolutely look at a Gigi's Playhouse and your local food pantries, local homeless shelters even. Brilliant. It's funny. We do a fundraiser every year. The owners of my CrossFit gym where I train and um, coach they have a little girl who has Down syndrome. So we do Down for Donuts every year and it's for the Gigi's Playhouse here. Oh my gosh. Okay. So they're wonderful. I mean, one of the best organizations in, I've been doing this for 30 years. One of the best organizations I've ever seen in 30 years in nonprofit. Beautiful. I think um, I, I always look for potential guests. I think that the founder of that would probably be a good person to get on here too and tell that oh, story. Oh, Nancy Gianni. You would have a ball talking to Nancy Gianni. She's a riot. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, then moving on in order of attendance, Madison, you're going to be last. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) So, Tracy, same with you. So, tell me kind of your your pre-fire days and then, um, you know, we'll walk up to the point where, where you were entering into a firefighter marriage. All right. So um, I met my fire husband about 20 years ago. Um, He was not in the fire service whatsoever when I met him. Um, He was actually uh, worked for a heavy equipment company and like moved heavy equipment and um, was really into that. And then we got married, um, moved to like a little lake subdivision where they had their own little um, like volunteer fire department. So the guy that sold us the house who lived in the subdivision came and got him one day and said, Hey, you're going to be on the volunteer fire department. Come with me. And he was like, Oh, I don't have time for that. Well, he came home that night and he said, Tracy, I'm going to be a fireman. I was like, Whoa, whoa, what? (laughs) I, um, so he was ended up being chief of our little subdivision fire department was going to school got his firefighter one, firefighter two, went to EMT, all the stuff, and then got hired on about 15 years ago um, where he works now. He's still there. He is a captain there. Um, But I was, I did not sign up for that. (laughs) I was not anywhere in our, um, nothing about it was remotely what I thought was going to happen. And then, um, my background, um, I have been a teacher for 25 years. So um, I've taught a little bit of everything, fourth grade, um, high school. Uh, I'm currently now in junior high in uh, ELA. So Beautiful. Well, that's an interesting perspective as well, the entering into the, the relationship as a firefighter versus entering in when you weren't. My first my first marriage was I wasn't a firefighter yet. My second one, I already was. So was, I've kind of seen the other side from both. So Sarah, just you just joined us. We're just doing introduction, so you're not late. Um, I promise you, we're going to do Madison, and then and then you next. So just so you know where you're at. Um, so staying with you, Tracy, for a moment. Another thing that I think is under addressed is the life of a volunteer firefighter. You know, I think I think they're an incredible group of men and women. There are some challenges with the way we do that, in, in as far as you know, training levels and fitness levels, and and um, you know, holding people to a standard that are doing it for free. So you know, how do you do that? Um, what have you noticed just before we move on through your lens between the, being the spouse of a volunteer firefighter versus the spouse of a career firefighter? 
Well, you never knew when that tone was going to go off at home. Um, obviously, when they're at the firehouse, that's a whole different thing. I don't, I don't know when they go, where they go, what they do. Um, I have been um, called with him to help. Uh, so we used to, our subdivision was on a really windy road. So if, um, if they had an accident or anything on the um, road outside of our subdivision, um, they often ended up with more wrecks because they had no traffic control. So I was kind of the traffic control girl for a long time. <laughs> I would stand with my orange vest and stop traffic and tell them to turn around. Um, but that, and, and that would be at sometimes two o'clock in the morning like that. You, it's so different as a volunteer because they have their pager. It, the tone goes off, they go. And then, um, and then there was a, we had a nice, wives group that from the because we were just a subdivision really it was just for our little subdivision and outside of that um and it was kind of nice the wives got together and, and really did help uh a lot i mean we did whatever we could um obviously not drive the truck or any of that stuff but we did a lot um so it was kind of nice i i enjoyed it it just you never knew when that tone was going to go off and you could have been we could have been sitting at the local bar and grill and the tone goes off and boom, there goes five guys, <laughs> you know? So it was, it was kind of interesting. See that that is, a, I've never heard, I've never had a conversation where it's kind of turned the lens to that direction. But so in the volunteer world, the spouses actually get to see that yes. kind of reaction level a lot more than the rest of us who just leave the house every morning at 5 a.m. and return, you know, 10 a.m., two days later. So yeah, very, very interesting. And what you did, the traffic control is imperative because that's where a lot of us get killed is getting mowed yeah. over by traffic. So absolutely. It was, um, they, it was, it was necessary. And, and by the time the cops from the town got there, I mean, there could have been three more wrecks. So yeah, it was kind of interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Well, thank you for that perspective. So moving on to Madison, who's you're not last now. So you just speed bumped up. <laughs> um, no, you had. I've t I said I've I've had exactly the same technical difficulties so many times. Like Skype and Zoom don't play well together. They steal each other's cameras and all that stuff. So yeah. I have no idea what happened, but <laughs> no, no, it's good. The phone works just as well. Um, so same with you. So tell me, kind of about your you know, kind of snapshot of your early life, and then how you found that journey to being in a firefighter family. Um, okay, well. So my husband and I were high school sweethearts and we've been together for about eight years. This year we'll be married for three. Um, and he originally went into the military straight out of high school and entered the fire department after. So we kind of went through the whole process together. Um, and then that's where I met all of these ladies when we went to our first fire conference the December before last. And that's kind of where we got the ball rolling when it came to the firewife life. Um, and it was a little nerve wracking because going into it, I mean, we were the youngest, youngest ones there. We're like, we might not like find any friends. We don't really know what this is going to entail, but I mean, they all welcome you with open arms and they're like, we're all here for the same thing. Um, so like, let's grab a drink. We're going to figure this out. And that's <laughs> when we came up with firewife life. Uh, 
Kathy was like, well, I want to get this going. And I was like, okay. So that day I sat on her balcony and we made the Facebook page. We made the Instagram. We're like, we're, we're doing this. And so we've tried ever since going to every fire conference because these people are like our family now and any excuse we can, we'd try to be there. Brilliant. Well, you have another unique lens. So tell me again, what it was like being the partner or spouse of someone who was in military, whether they were deploying for training, whether they deployed overseas, and then how that contrasted with the shift life of a first responder. Um, so I would say the military life was a good introduction into the fire department. I feel like we really, I mean, he deployed for um, about a year and he had a four, four month training for basic training. So I kind of learned being what it was like being apart for long periods of time. And then, so now just 24 hours is like, okay, well I have a day by myself when previously it was a year. So we really learned how to communicate. And I feel like that is one major thing when it comes to the fire department that a lot of people struggle with because their spouses don't really talk about everything. But with that, with being a soldier, there's not a lot at that time you could talk about. So we went through writing letters and really learned how to communicate, which really helped us now when he is gone. And if he does have something on his mind, it's a lot easier to talk about in comparison to before when we were learning, okay, if you don't talk about it, it's just going to sit on your mind and you're really going to dwell on it. So I think being a military spouse really helps me with going into the role of now a firefighter spouse. See, it's an interesting perspective as well. I'm My wife's about to go to medical school and where she's going to go to school is four hours away. So we're going to have probably Monday to Friday apart and then see each other weekends for the next four years straight. But we had the same discussion, but we did it, you know, the whole time we were together, I was on shift, you know, either regular shift every third day or forced to stay, you know, longer. Um, so it's interesting how you can lean into that military service, that first responder service or, you know, distance relationship that was outside either of those two professions. Uh, but hearing the communication element, I think is a very important part of that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, then last but not least, Sarah. So we'll bring you in. So the same question, um, kind of your background snapshot and then leading into how you found yourself in this profession. Okay. Um, my husband and I started dating uh, 10 years ago. We've been married for six years. When we first got together, he was a volunteer firefighter at a local um, smaller um, kind of offshoot department of the city that we live in now. Uh, he started taking all the classes to become a professional firefighter. He works for the United States Department of Defense as a firefighter at Fort Benning. Um, so he's gone 48 hours and is home 72. And then he also still is a volunteer firefighter for the city in which we live. So um, we've got a double dose, I guess. We have days that he's on shift and then the days that he still answers the call um, when he's here. So we're, we have two daughters. Um, one is 19 and one is um, 14. I just left the eighth grade graduation and that's why I was a little bit late today. So yeah, mine graduated this week too. So congratulations. Thanks and yours as well. <laughs> So with that, you have not only a more unusual shift pattern. So the, the 48 is that that's a lot, I'm sure for you. And it's also a lot I know for the responder. If they're busy for 48 hours, that's, 
I think it's too long personally, and I have a lot of conversations about this with sleep deprivation and, you know, burnout and that kind of thing. But then to come back and volunteer and run more calls, you know, that's a, another load. So what are, what are some of the, the cons? What are some of the negatives you've seen? But then what are some of also some of the, the ways that you both would be able to cope with not only the two days, but also the additional calls at home? Okay. Um, so we've been, um, ever since he was a professional firefighter, he was on a 48 hour shift of some sort. So it was either 48, 48 or 48, 72 now. Um, so I got really comfortable with him just going and being gone for a couple of days. Um, I own my own business. I work with Kathy a good bit. Um, and so I can get a lot of work done when he's gone. And if he's home, um, there's another benefit because then I can, because my schedule is really flexible, I can spend time with him and we can go and do the things that we like to do. So that's always um, nice that we get to go and enjoy the lake. We have a boat. So we go out on the lake during the week when no one else is out there because we're both, we can both take the time. Um, but it does really kind of stink like today, eighth grade graduation, our daughter got a really big award and he wasn't here. So that's always, you know, something that we discuss and, and he really is good about taking off the time uh, when he needs to. But this actually was kind of thrown together the last minute by the school. So we didn't have enough time to prepare. Uh, we weren't sure we were going to get to do anything because of COVID and mask regulations. And I was really happy that they did. It was outside and it's a thousand degrees in Alabama right now. So I look awful. But, um, you know, those are just some of the things. It's just time and having to prioritize what events do we take off, you know, what events or does he take off shift and what time, you know, can I devote? I have two huge events in three weeks. So I'm kind of backed up. And so I'm trying to work on the weekends and trying to work till 10 or 11 o'clock at night, you know, when he's gone. So that's always just how you have to make it work. Yeah. Well, this year has definitely been hard. Um, I just finished a conversation with a, a fellow firefighter and he was talking, we were both discussing about the kind of guilt of, not being able to be there sometimes physically or even you are physically you're so tired that you you know that your child asks you hey can you do this with me and you're like, I, I just need to go to bed i'm so tired and that has a level of guilt and shame to it but another thing for me i moved around to four different departments over 14 years and just it was geography you know going to the east coast and the west coast and the back um but i was always junior man so the other thing that i don't think a lot of people understand is if you don't have seniority in that department you may you may want that day off doesn't mean you can get yeah. that day off. They've got a really hard way to ask off time. So we always have to figure out, you know, what's the best way to do it. Who to ask first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well then what I want to do, there's, uh, you know, four of you here, so we can kind of just do a hand up or something if someone wants to answer it. But you on your website have some topics that you, you know, found yourself talking um, talking about. So I want to cover those, but I guess actually before we do that, let's go to Kathy and just talk about, um, kind of what Madison touched on with the genesis of this. So you have you know, a bunch of firefighters that come together and, you know, not all of us, yeah. but I think the more fired up of us, you know, go to conferences and this kind of thing. But a lot exactly. of times they're geographically <laughs> somewhere different. They bring families, they bring spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends. Um, so tell me about the, you know, what it was like early days going to those conferences and then when you kind of had this aha moment to to start, start you know, communicating with other wives at these places or husbands. Sure. When I first started, it was probably seven or eight years ago that Todd and I started going to 
the very small conferences, which are now huge in Pensacola Beach. Um, and I would see wives as we would go every event. I'd start to see similar faces, same wives. You, you don't talk, though. Back then, there was not a lot of networking. You'd kind of wave at each other. Our husbands would introduce us. We'd go different ways for dinner. But that you just start seeing the same people over and over and the conferences get bigger and bigger and the wives have not they don't have anything to do during the day. So you see them on the beach at the pool or just all over. And so we just started bonding. We just all started talking. Um, I met Sarah at um, Pensacola Beach. I met Tracy at Carolina Beach. Um, we met Madison. Even though she lives 25 minutes from me, I met her in Florida. <laughs> so, it, which has been interesting that we meet people who are closer than we think at conferences. Um, and we have a lot of firefighters who know one another, but we've just never had the opportunity. So, we found ourselves, as Madison said, sitting on a balcony last December, looking over the ocean drinking champagne, saying, we really should do something because this is a great fire wife life. And from that, I did. I said, let's do it. And, you know, Tracy's like, let's go. And Madison started putting it up. I mean, she literally got on social media, um, being the guru. And before you know, we had a Facebook before we even left that balcony. We had a Facebook page. Um, we put our pictures up from the weekend first. Sarah wasn't at that one, but we called her pretty much from the balcony and we're like, guess what we're doing? <laughs> so it, it's just grown from there. Women, we're really surprised. We have almost, if not over 200 people really have super built in the past couple months since we've really gotten ourselves fully engaged on the page and more join every single day. And We've just found everybody has the same thoughts, same needs, same concerns. It's perfect for us because we are at such different stages, but we're all so close. So Sarah, you know, did not marry a, a firefighter. He became a firefighter. Same with Tracy. I've got two grown kids. Sarah has kids graduating from junior high and graduated, you know, last year from high school. Madison and Matt don't have kids yet, but yet we all have this bond it's just, it's, there's no change in kind of who we are as people and what we're looking for as firewives. Yeah. What's well, such a, a unique profession to be married to or in a relationship with. Um, and it's definitely under, I think under appreciated isn't even the right word. We under recognized what the sacrifice is for the, the wife, husband, children, whoever is not going away. And I see that myself. I've, I've been very cognizant of driving away from my family during hurricanes in Florida to go protect a bunch of strangers and leaving the, them with the one skilled person that could have protected them is driving away. So, you know, there, there is a huge, a huge amount of, um, conversation needs to happen as far as coming from that lens. So I want to look at some of these, um, the, these topics that you put there. Um, so the first one says use of time. When he or she is off for, for 24 or 48 hours, why are they doing things that don't include me? Why are they hunting? Why aren't they helping around the house? So whoever, <laughs> whoever wants to, okay, Tracy's waving. So let Tracy? you run with that. Well, I can, this is such a big topic in our house. 
we don't have children. We chose not to have children. I did tell you I was a teacher. I have kids all day long. So it was, <laughs> it was a it was a mutual agreement. Um, but he, my husband, is such an avid hunter. Um, so when he works, he does a forty-eight seventy-two. So he'll be gone for two days, and then we hit about. September, October, November, December, as soon as he's off, he has hunting ground up in Iowa. So he's off to Iowa. And then he, I may see him the day before he goes back on shift. So it's, it's a constant battle that he, he doesn't think anything of it because he's been at work. Well, I'm, I'm off work. I've got to use my time, but you haven't done anything with me. So that it's still a constant battle. He's, he understands it a little more now. Um, after I've explained it, like, listen, you look at how much time you've not been home. Um, and we do have, I mean, it's not that I need help with kids, but you, you constantly work on your relationship when he's not there. <laughs> it's kind of hard <laughs> to do. So, um, it, that, the hunting thing, um, is a huge thing. He doesn't, he doesn't, really, you know, he doesn't go out with the guys and play poker. He doesn't do this. And he <laughs> says, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> yes, it could be. But that time management, he is, he has gotten a lot better. Um, and he keeps telling me I should just go hunting with him, but that's not going to happen. Um, so <laughs> but that, that was a huge one for us. Time, time. When, when are you going to, when are you going to spend some time with me? You've just been at the firehouse you've just spent three days in the woods. Um, when is it my turn? You know? Yeah. And that's something that I, I see in myself and my relationships, both of them. And then, you know, I obviously see in, in people that I have these conversations with, but it's, it's understandable from both lenses. And that's the problem. Like the responder who's been working 24, 48 hours wants to decompress. And I'm sure being out in nature is probably his, his you know decompressor and his mental health you know um stimulator if you like but we as responders have to remember especially even more so i think when you have children when you walk through a door and one of the the gripes you hear from us is like you know walk through a door and they hand me the baby well as my previous guest today said and he's right you got it and i agreed completely you've got to look at yourselves as two single parents for a lot of that time you know so that person has been with that child on their own, those children on their own the whole time. Yeah, you know, A, you know, the children are ready to see daddy or mommy and, and also that parent is ready for a break. So they're both right. And I think that's what makes these conversations so hard is where is that middle ground where you can give a little, take a little um, when both partners are completely justified in their, their perspectives. Absolutely. With Todd, it was more work. We always had our social life together. He wasn't out crazy, like you said, drinking with the guys. But he'd get off and they'd ask him to stick around and help train. And he'd stay. So for him, the it was fighting fire and then more fire. So his whole thing was filling those two days with training and doing as much fire as he could. So it was five days of fire, sometimes seven. <laughs> now, well, well, Kathy, because you've got a longer timeline, let me ask you this: Was it always that way, or did it tend to? Was the the amount of extra work he took increase as he got deeper in his career? And there's a reason I'm asking that. 
Yeah. Well, it started that he absolutely, any little extra thing he could do or overtime he would, but oh yeah, the deeper into his career, the more it became evident that, you know, those 48 hours he would train. We have a, a department out here that he worked for and he would literally go do all their, you know, a lot of their training when he'd leave Atlanta and then he'd go back, of course, to Atlanta. So sometimes four and five days would go by and except for dinner, you know, I wouldn't see him because he was training again. Um, yes, it was really big. But as our kids got older, I could go with him when he started traveling, which was very helpful. So when these conferences really started and kicked off, our kids were older. So I could go with him, which he was always great about taking me. Um, but he, now he's retired and he's busier now than he ever was in a fire department. Because I, I, I see a lot, um, and this isn't always bad, but it's something for us to be aware of, is sometimes we end up taking on more and more and more because there are things that we don't want to address that are going on in our heads. So that busyness is a distraction. Now, that busyness could be invaluable. You're training other firefighters. There's a purpose to it. Mm -hmm. But again, like I said, it's that two-way street that where is that happy medium where, you know, I want to feel like I'm doing a little extra for this department to make them better. But, you right. know, I need to also be husband and father as well. Yeah, he um, he recently said he was thinking about riding an engine a couple days a month. <laughs> That's not happening. Just <laughs> Uh, we don't argue a lot like really argue but when he said i'm just gonna you know stay connected at maybe walking into a fire at 56 i was like no you're not so we're good now but he actually brought that up a couple weeks ago so has anyone anyone got any kind of feedback on on some tools to use as far as communication to have that conversation and and, and try and get us to to be home a little bit more i think it comes with time i think i think you just you i mean i think the, kevin's been on the job 15 16 years um at first it you know it, it, he was really like everything he could do to possibly you know, get an ed, like he was trying to work himself up the ladder though. So like now he's pretty content with captain and he's not, so he'll go to conferences. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like he's not doing every little thing, but I, I just think it comes with time and a balance. Like I always tell Kevin, I can leave teaching at school. I, I'm pretty good about that. I mean, obviously there's things I take home mentally and I, I have to do at home every once in a while, but it's not on my mind 24 seven. And so I've tried to explain to him that there, there has to be a balance. Like you can't, it can't be in your head 24 seven. Otherwise you're, you're cheating the person that you chose to be with. Like that's not fair to them. So I think it just, it comes with just, a few years <laughs> to, to, oh, there is a balance there. They, I just think it comes with time. I agree. I agree with Tracy on that because as I was saying, we grew up together. And so we, 
really learned how to build a relationship and how to build that communication. Because at first, it, especially with the military, it's like, well, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. They don't want to talk about it. And then it's like, okay, well, if you don't talk and open up, there's no way that I can help you or walk you through it. So like Tracy said, I think it really comes with time and understanding that it's not going to be something that happens overnight. But once you really build that communication and you really start talking about it, I think it like a door really opens and your communication really does start changing. Beautiful. Sarah, anything to add? Yeah, I just, so since even we started this amongst our four spouses um, and them hearing the discussions that we've had or watching, you know, some of the other discussions, uh, other podcasts that we did, I think it's opened them up to understanding more because it's a lot easier now to tell Todd, you know, because I've, my poor husband, so I have to wrangle him. But it's easier to tell him, hey, this is why we need to know before you just go and agree to do something. Or even Jake, you know, he always, he doesn't ever want to stay longer at the firehouse. He's always the one that has to be told he's got to stay for overtime. But I mean, after 72 hours, I would be not wanting to do that either. But, uh, but when he gets home, it's, it's, I want to go and do this. I want to go have fun. I want to do, you know, all the things that we can do. But even them all talking to each other and kind of like feeling out that, Oh, okay. So geographically, geographically, we're so far apart um, that at least it makes sense to them. Now we're not just sitting here and just, you know, nag, 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 nag. It's okay. This is a thing. Uh, There are, they are all talking about it. So we need to kind of readjust how we're thinking about it. So I think that that's, one of the benefits of being a part of our group is saying, Hey, you know, we understand they don't want to do, you know, what we're asking. And, uh, and as people get more involved in our organization, I think that they figure out that, okay, this is a, a, a thing across many boundaries. So maybe they do have a point. Maybe I do need to listen. Maybe I need to spend some more time. Yeah. Well, I think that's what is so good about these long form conversations too, you know, podcasts, even, even, if you listen to Joe Rogan, he's had some politicians on. And there's some I've listened to and I'm, yeah, I still don't like you very much, but at least I understand now. And there's some like, oh, actually, I like you more because I've, you've had a chance to actually explain your entire thought process, not some ridiculous, you know, 10 minute, you know, buzzer session on some national television. So again, hearing these stories and, and the, the kind of full perspective of the partner being explained, I think there's a lot of us that will listen and go, ah, okay. Now I get it. Versus walking in the door and like, why didn't you feed the dog? And then boom, you know, all hell breaks loose. So I think, <laughs> I think it's good. All right. Well, then the next one you have here, um, which is an interesting perspective. It's not something that I really thought about. Um, I want to say most of the time I, had, I was always in an all-male station. Um, but uh, infidelity concerns with female firefighters, paramedics, and other emergency personnel. So, you know, whether you are a female spouse, whether you're, you know, in the same sex partnership or marriage, I mean, that that obviously is something that cr- would cross your mind. So who wants to kind of take the wheel on that conversation? I don't have any that that's not there's a couple female uh, volunteer um, firefighters, but that's really nothing I can speak to. Um unfortunately. 
Well, it's on your we, website, so someone's got to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> well, we, we have some wives, and I think the younger the wife is, not, not Madison, I'm just saying, the younger sometimes they are, they're married, they get in a fight at home. We've heard, I mean, women have said, and then they go there and spend 24 hours, you know, with Susie paramedic or Ann firefighter and you know, I see pictures of them having fun, teasing each other. So am I just the crappy wife? And then he gets to go and have fun with somebody else. So that has been some of the things that we have heard. I love the story. Remember when we were on with David Mellon and he was talking mm-hmm. about how him and his wife were out yes. and this was, this, this was perfect. And he played, he had a complete story about this. Um, he was out with his wife and some female paramedics, uh, were there and they were like, Dave, Dave, come over, have a drink. And his wife was like, and who are these women? (laughs) And so, um, you do, I mean, paramedics, um, just EMS, um, it doesn't even have a firefighter. Nurses. Nurses. Yep. Um, so yeah, he said his wife looked at him like, um, what's going on and who are they and why are they asking you for drinks? So um, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a thing. It is. He, was, he told us that he had made a mistake because he made it look like he was guilty. He was like, oh yeah, I, we just know each other. <laughs> he was like, well, you, you, you mean you didn't want to introduce them to me as your wife and, and we could have all had a drink together? And he was like, oops, you know, so... <laughs> I mean, just again, it's a whole trust relationship kind of situation on Mm -hmm. every, in every one of these questions on our website, it's how you trust your spouse to handle this or that or whatever. So, um, but yeah, it it was a really funny story. And I mean, I've seen that happen several times that we've run into someone and I'm like, well, who's that? He's like, oh, I just knew him from a long time ago or whatever. And I'm like, well, now you're making it seem like I need to pay attention a little bit more when I see you like just waving at someone. So, you know, I just think that that's part of the the larger discussion. Mm-hmm. I, I think you have a lot of young wives, too, who have maybe had two or three kids or they're on their third child and they're home pregnant. And their husband is hanging out on social media with somebody at the station who's a female and they're all laughing. And I just I just think they say to themselves, oh, that looks fun. Look at me. I I think that it is a natural when you're at that point where you're raising multiple children, maybe you're staying at home. But like Sarah said, it's all trust. A hundred percent. I completely agree with that. Do you want to expand on that, Madison? I got something to say in a minute because it's interesting going the other way. But before I do, did you want to add to anything? Um, well, I really agree with what they were saying because I listened to the David Mellon podcast and everything. And I was like, you know, that's really true. I've personally never experienced that. I mean, he's been through paramedic school with some of the girls. But I mean, we would really do everything together. So I really never had that doubt or a trust issue with that because I mean going back to the military thing there are women in the military and Mm -hmm. I mean that's that's their job I'm I work in an emergency room and I mean there's men there so it's a trust that you have to build again and if you don't have that trust I really think that's where the uh, problems start to form 
because I mean, I feel like communication and trust are really two large building blocks of an, of an, of a relationship, excuse me. Um, and if you don't have those, I feel like that's where those concerns and problems really start to arise within that relationship. Mm-hmm. Especially when they live apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, also, you know, you talked about the time together and Tracy was talking about, you know, the hunting trips. I think that's where we build that trust. So the less right. kind of equity we have in that part, you know, the more vulnerable the relationship is from that doubt. And I, I was... I think use the word victim. That's the wrong word. But my ex-wife is my ex-wife because she wasn't alone when I was at the fire station. And I'm not slinging it dirt. It's just, it is what it is, it's a fact. Yeah. So, you know, that goes back the other way. Like when we're at the firehouse, mm-hmm. even though I absolutely hands-on know of firefighters that have been unfaithful at a firehouse, they're a minority, but it happens. So we're not going to pretend it doesn't. You know, that there's far less opportunity to be unfaithful in a firehouse than there is in an empty home that that firefighter left, you know. So there's the, the paranoia and the trust the other way too. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but all we have is trust and I don't distrust my, my wife now. I'm happily married eight and a half years together, you know, and, you know, it, it wouldn't work if I didn't trust her and vice versa. So, but I think that as you mentioned, that time together is where we build that trust. And if we're always away, then that's, you know, one of the, one of the many compounding issues that, that could possibly lead towards a relationship breaking down. I 100% yeah. agree. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Well, good. There you go. I sound partly intelligent then. <laughs> All right. Well, then moving on to the next one, um, which is interesting because my wife is about to make far more money than I am in about four years. Um, so it says, I make more money. Why is he or his schedule more important than mine? So again, who wants to run with that one? You want me to do that one? Yeah. <laughs> I do. Once upon a time, um, my husband and I had a, a hat that said breadwinner and we would wear it on the lake and whoever had made the most money the year before got to wear the hat. So uh, I wore the hat several, several years in a row. Uh, I took a little bit of a break and now I'll be wearing that hat again. So, um, you know, one of the questions that when I went to Pensacola and was talking to some of the other spouses, how do you, I'm a city council person in our town and I have run for election twice. So I just was reelected last year, but you know, that took a a good bit of time away from going to conferences and going and doing all the fun stuff that we normally would do because I had to go and talk to my constituency, which was really hard with COVID. Um, So one of the things that we've, you know, tried to be cognizant of is there's a lot of, Cache, Firewife, Firewife Live, you know, First Responder Live, um, you know, there's a lot of pride and there should be. Uh, the, the profession is one of sacrifice and it really should have a focus on it. But there's a lot of times that women or, you know, other spouses uh, feel like they're left out because, you know, there's not accountant life or, you know, lawyer life kind of situation. So, one of the things that we really wanted to make sure that we addressed in all of these different things is that you have your spouse goals, you know, your, your goals as a, as a couple, and then you need to have your individual, you know, relationship or your uh, individual uh, educational goals, work life goals, parental, parental goals, goals for your children. I mean, setting all these goals up uh, helps to ensure success. So we just didn't want it to be too much, you know, fire only and never discussing, you know, who we are because, 
yeah, I'm Sarah. I'm Jake's wife, the firefighter, but he's also Jake's or Sarah's husband, you know, the city council person or the, you know, um, mom of whomever kind of stuff. Like I always tease Kevin. I always say that I'm going to get him a shirt that says teacher husband and he has to wear it all the time. <laughs> and I think that's great because at some point, you know, I mean, sure. uh, we have to celebrate our own professions in addition to the fact that we're married to someone that sacrifices mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. And it, it becomes not a competition, but sometimes it comes down to you have someone on shift and you have a board meeting over here and it's very, somebody's got to give one could lose their job. One doesn't want to give up vacation. We had early on many arguments over that when he was a starting firefighter in Atlanta it didn't pay hardly anything. We didn't care. We knew. So I worked full time. I traveled. I worked full time. But I was the one always having to say, "Ooh, I'm sorry. I can't make that meeting. I hope that's okay. There was no Zoom or Skype or anything back then that we could do. So if I wasn't there, I just wasn't there and it wasn't good. But he was not going to take off work and we had kids. So what are we going to do? Our family didn't live here. We had no one to watch the kids during the day like that. So um, we watched them and, and ourselves between us. So yeah, it was hard. But um, I think like Sarah said, you, you've got to look at both, both professions and what you're doing. Well, and then in my case, when I met Kevin, he was making bank as a heavy equipment operator. And then all of a sudden he wants to be a firefighter and we had to make some major sacrifices. So it's not that I ever, I, I mean, I've never made more teachers don't get paid. Crap. Uh, but I, it's from going from, this is what I married. Oh, we're doing great. This is fantastic. And then he switches his career on me. And then we, I mean, we really, we really had to make some sacrifices those first three, four years when he became a fireman. So. I was going to say, I could speak on the opposite side of that because I mean, he was military and then fire while well, I've been in nursing school. And so we've really had to sacrifice because with nursing school, you can only work so much and you have to focus on school. And I, we really had to make those sacrifices because we, I mean, he was making more money. And so it's like, okay, well, what can we do that we're not running out of money and we want to go on all these trips and everything, but it's like, you really have to prioritize what's important and what you can and can't do or else you're going to be like, okay, like we're out of money. So we, we really had to have that conversation because he, he was making more money, but it's like, okay, I'll lean on you while I'm in school and then we'll have a little bit more leverage later on as to what we can do with that. And so now he's talking about going back to school and it's like, okay, well, I leaned on you for that time. So if you're ready, then that's where you lean on me. Yeah. Well, I, I can agree completely because that's exactly what I'm going through now in, in a good way, in, a, in an amazing way. So two and a half years ago, two years ago, um, I told my wife, I asked my wife, I'm like, Hey, you know, I've just rehabbed a knee injury. This podcast is, you know, doing incredibly well. It seems to be making such a difference that it's almost like downplaying what I'm able to do 24 hours in a fire station running. And then that department ran a lot of very, very B, 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 B,
and so your true life-saving interventions were a little less frequent. Um, and I said, I want to cash out my retirement and just invest it in this and give myself a salary for a year. And she was like, go for it. And she was working then. She was in school too, but you know, so she, I leaned on her. Now she was, it was more of a safety net than a full lean, but regardless, had I not been able to, to guarantee the kind of sponsorship that I got in the end, she would have been it. Now it ended up being great. You know, it was a leap of faith and it paid off. And, you know, there was kind of an altruistic element behind it. But now she's going to medical school for four years and I'm able to support us all while she is studying so she doesn't have to have a side job or anything so i agree 100 percent. and what i talk about relationship wise is when all of you met your partners you were an individual and it's that individual that they fell in love with so this kind of two becomes one bs that you hear people write songs about is ridiculous you know you should have your own trajectory and be empowered by your partner so i think i, I what madison said i think that's beautiful that's what a relationship should be mm-hmm all right. Brilliant. Well, um, moving on to the next one then. So why won't he take off work for important things to me or the kids' events? Now, I know we touched on that for a moment, but does anyone want to expand on that? Well, sometimes, I just... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I go ahead. You say Sometimes they can't. Um, I mean, I don't know how your husbands look at their calendar, but the, I mean, I if you give me a date, I can tell you if Kevin's working many, many years in advance if he stays on the same ship. So they have to have their days off in by the end of the year for the next year. So, um, I mean, we pick and choose. Okay, when are we going to do a vacation? What's coming up? Whose weddings? But there's just some times that they... Uh, they can't take off because it's going to create overtime and then that's a whole issue or they can't find a trade or somebody owed them a trade day and then they can't do it now. It's just sometimes they just can't. But in our eyes, sometimes we're like, well, I mean, this is very important, but you have to, you have to realize in that, in that career, they, they have to plan way, way ahead. So if something comes up like Sarah's eighth grade graduation, like I'm sure Jake would have taken off for that, but if it comes up and it's not on the schedule and it's not on the calendar, it's, it's, I mean, you're kind of SOL. Real day weekend. Yeah. (laughs) So when we were at a conference, uh, Sarah, I know you and I were there uh, command officer boost camp a couple years ago, we watched a couple's event and sitting next to me was a gentleman and his wife. And he started crying during this, their, the couple's spouse talk. And he later told us, my son graduated from high school and I wouldn't take off work to go. It wasn't important. I didn't want to leave my shift. And it's kind of like you said, what if something happened during that shift? I'd let the guys down. So he missed his son's high school graduation. And as he was listening to this, he made the realization how wrong that was. And so there are a lot of guys out there who don't want to leave that job for things that we may consider important. Um, I may consider a birthday a party for one of the kids really important 
And he may say, oh, they're four. They don't know the difference. You know, I, but we, it was amazing. I'd never heard of a man who said, I would absolutely not leave the fire station to go to my son's high school graduation. I, I was shocked by that. Um, but it's, as we talk to people, we find it's a little more common than I guess we thought is that being at that firehouse is a huge responsibility for many and leaving it if something happens is just not what firemen want to do. And so we've seen a lot of that. Now, my husband used to take off for Steeler Sundays. That was the first thing he picked every year before vacation was the Steeler Sundays he was at work. Yeah, yeah. But it's okay. It was an event for us. It was a Sunday family day with friends. So it was fine. It was absolutely fine. But there are serious things out there that people won't take off for. Anyone else to anything to add on that? Just that mine's the opposite. If he could take off more time, he probably would. I, I think yeah. that's so over. That's the same from like 48 hours. That he's just like, okay, you want to go somewhere? Sure. Let me, let me put it in and see if you can get it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was a, I was kind of the same. Like I, I think divorce does it too. When you're a single dad, you know, it, it changes the dynamic. Excuse me, the dynamic completely. Um, but yeah, I was the guy that had like 23 and a half hours in his leave account the whole time because the moment I hit 24, I would use it to be home one more day. But there is that element, you know, worst case scenario where people do a trade and then that firefighter gets killed. You know, which is you know mm-hmm. a, an incredible yes. burden to live with. But um, what I noticed though about all the good, you know, men and women in the fire services at their core, they were incredible parents, incredible partners. But, you know, obviously there are some elements of this job that creates an app, an environment for, for people not to thrive, but to fail really, whether it's physically, mentally, you know, relationship wise. So I see that starting to cleave, you know, these two young, you know, human beings that were incredibly in love. And then fast forward 10 years, they're, falling apart so that's what's very hard to see is when there's that shift and it's not coming at the root of of you know that romance that love and that and that marriage or that partnership but it's coming from these external stresses that are starting to work their way into the individual the firefighter and then obviously Mm -hmm. their their spouse and children too i mean the reality is you guys spend as much time in a year at the fire station as you do at home. So we're all one fire family, but then there's these two that kind of fight for time and energy. There's the family, family, the fire family, you know, you're there half the time you're here half the time. And it's a hard struggle who gets what attention. And I mean, it's, it's, it's tough sometimes other times it's very easy. It works perfectly, but it's not always easy. Absolutely. Anyone else got anything to add before we move on? No? Okay. Beautiful. All right. Children. And the, and it's in, in uh, capital letters, many issues that accompany raising them in a fire family. So, um, I, again, I mean, you hit on one, obviously, the, the inability for us to be there. I mean, my Christmas has been dynamic my entire career. It's anywhere from December 23rd to the 26th, 7th. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what are, what are some of the issues being, as I said before, technically uh, a single parent in this marriage? Sarah? Well, I was just thinking not so much that. Um, so, 
like I said, Jake has been a part of a volunteer fire department um, for as long as I've known him. He was he was doing that before we even met. Um, but that has given me the most cases of anxiety and worry. And um, and my kids realize that. Hey, Todd. Um, I'm sneaking in and out. He is. It is his office. So um, we've had we've had lots of thanksgivings and christmases and dinners and stuff that i think you know okay i've gotten everything set i've worked my tail off for hours and hours and hours and i've got it all set up and then boom something happens um well just about let's see i guess 12 years ago um what our city had one of the biggest fires in the world uh, that has ever been seen here um our hotel that was 100 years old burned up and Jake almost died. And so he tells that story. And I don't think that he ever really realized that the kids were listening so closely to it because mm. when Cece, our younger one was so was little, you know, every time that tone went off and it said structure fire, she would just, just get scared to death and be like, is that, is, 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 is he going to come home? And I was like, yeah, you know, it's just a little shed or whatever. She said, but he told us that he almost died in this hotel fire. Well, about five years ago, there was another humongous fire. Our, our cotton mill burned up. He was gone for 17 hours. She was a little bit older than she was still eight or nine. And she, you know, she still has nightmares to this day about it, like of it going off and him having to leave and what it's done to her psyche since then. And, you know, or that he's at an event and then you can hear the tones go off. So I almost much prefer him to be at the fire station on shift because then no one knows really what's going on you know, okay, well, he's probably at the gas station or, you know, washing the truck or something like that. It's not so much that sense of urgency, that sense of emergency that, that there is an imminent potential that he's going to get hurt. So mm -hmm. I know that, that has really affected our kids and, and how they kind of look at things. And so that's my two cents on that one. Well, it's, it's something that pops into my head the same way that Todd pops into the room. Um, yeah, he's... <laughs> He has this one little closet in the house in his office where his clothes are. So he needs a belt for golfing. Um, no, was the mandatory. So that is one of the things, like you said, we're able to project, all right, I can't be home on Christmas Day, but I'm going to be home on Boxing Day, as we call it in England, or you know, New Year, Christmas Eve or whatever it is. And then you get to that point, and I've worked for some departments that are just woefully understaffed, very mismanaged in my opinion, but... And so they lean on us. They lean on you. So like, hey, I know it's Christmas Day, but you can't go home. So you're here for another 24 hours. Talk to me about that from your lens, because we know how awful it is. We want to come home. What's it like being the spouse when you we have to tell you at 7 a.m., hey, I'm here for another day? It always happens like when we have plans, I can tell you that. So even if it's not Christmas, one of the things that the DOD chiefs are doing really well is no you get the several people get what they ask off for christmas and then the other ones if you call in sick and you are you're not bleeding to death or have some kind of really big family emergency like you're blackballed for the rest of the for the next year like you're not getting your picks so um i don't think we've ever been held mandatory on um christmas but this last year um i've cooked Thanksgiving, I have, um, so my parents live in Mexico. 
my sister lives in Chicago. My brother lives in Texas. So we've adopted other people here in our area um, whose families aren't here either. So we always have a big Thanksgiving meal. And this year I had planned that Jake was going to be on shift Wednesday and Thursday so that we were going to have it on Friday and six o'clock in the morning. He's like, I'm, I'm held. And I was not thrilled. Um, and I wasn't real nice about it. And I was like, like you need to get home. And so he ended up talking to someone and he said, I had this day scheduled off, you know, and something happened with the calendar um, so that I wouldn't be held over on, on mandatory. So that it is just, it's heart wrenching because you think you've got all these plans made and you're really expecting to see um, your spouse and you're excited. And then to get that call at eight o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning, well, it's usually six o'clock my time because I'm an hour behind him, but it's, um, it makes me just livid mad that someone called in sick, you know, maybe they're drunk mm -hmm. and it's Saturday and that like all <laughs> go out and have fun and they just had too much to drink the night before. But also I do have to temper myself and say, you know, well, maybe they didn't need to drive. Maybe they don't need to be responsible for saving lives. So, you know, the initial is always shock. Then I think you go to a lot of anger and then eventually just acceptance because what am I going to do? They're not going to listen to me or. Well, right. That's exactly it because Kevin will, Kevin will call the day before he's supposed to be off shift and he'll say something like, well, I could work 24 overtime tomorrow. What, what do you think? What am I supposed to say? To that? <laughs> do you really just tell me, don't ask me because I don't want you to, but I mean, He's like, well, we have a lot of trips coming up. We could really use the money. Yes. Then work the overtime. I don't, I mean, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, that's always the, he always asks me, but he probably shouldn't ask me. He should just tell me <laughs> I, I, what, what am I supposed to say? No. <laughs> well, that's a different thing too, because sometimes they give the option. If there's people that want to volunteer, um, that's great. Yeah. never wants you to vol. I never want him to volunteer unless I can look at the schedule and say, okay, if you don't volunteer this one and you don't volunteer this one, you're probably going to get held this yeah. one. Yep. So you might as yeah. Well get bumped down to the bottom of the list. And, and so that's always a, yeah. yeah. A calendar. And, and I hate the emergency ones. So we have an ice storm and the trees are falling in the backyard and he's at the firehouse. And of course they've held him over the next day. And I've literally got a, a pine tree in our back deck and the kids are scared, but he can't come home. You know, tornado, bad weather. They always hit when he's at the station and then he could not come home the next day. So, you know, the, the kids feel safe with mom, but they feel so much safer when dad's there, you know, and where's dad? Where, why isn't he here? I'm scared. And well, he's at the firehouse. You know, it's like you said, I'm leaving the people I can probably protect to go help somebody else somewhere else. And that was inevitably a lot of his mandatory. We really didn't have much mandatory in Atlanta except that. Yeah. Well, Madison, anything to add? We haven't heard from you from a little bit. With that, I'm I don't so really know like that. Um, much today, especially on like the kids thing, uh, because we don't, we don't have kids yet, but going with the holidays, one thing that has worked, especially with my schedule, it was pretty flexible. 
we would try to work the same holidays. So it's like, okay, well, you're working Christmas this year. I'll try to schedule myself on Christmas and we could do it a couple of days before, a couple of days after. So it's not like I'm sitting at home wondering, well, I mean, we could be doing this. We could be doing this. We kind of have made it to where, okay, we'll have Thanksgiving this day if you're working and I'll try to work on Thanksgiving. And so we, I mean, we've made it work, which I'm about to start a whole new job. So I think it'll be a little bit different, especially because we've talked about conferences coming up and Firewife Life. And he's like, well, you're about to start a new job. So you can't, I mean, you're not going to, you're going to be the runt. You're not going to be able to take off work. And so we've really had to start talking about that and what it's going to be like, because we, both of us haven't worked full time at the same time up until this point. So we, I mean, I think we're going to struggle with that a little bit more coming up, but up until this point, we haven't really had to experience that. So I think it'll be interesting to, to see um, the dynamic that'll come with that. But talking to these ladies and hearing their perspective, especially when it does come to kids, I feel like we'll have a little bit of an idea as to how to tackle these situations instead of just walking into it, not having a clue. And I, I think that's one big thing with the Firewife Life is all of these ladies come from a different background and they all have a different perspective. But for me, especially being younger, they've gone through so many experiences that I haven't quite gone through. And in the future, I'll be able to say, well, hey, Kathy, hey, Sarah, tell me about how you did this with your kids. How did you get through this? Instead of not having anyone to turn to because my friends aren't firefighter. Well, not all of them are firefighter wives. And so it'll be different when I go through something than when they go through something, which I, that's why I loved the idea of firewife life, because going into the fire department, there were so many people that already knew each other. And I was like, well, who am I going to connect with? And so going and seeing these conferences and hearing all these stories are really helpful for even future instances that I'll have to go through one day. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think even this conversation has been really, really helpful for people that are going to listen yeah. to this. I, I want agree. to talk about one more area and then we'll actually start talking about, you know, the, the different elements that you guys offer. Um, so picking one of the last few that, um, kind of bullet points that you had, I think the most important is I think my husband has PTSD or I think my wife has PTSD. Um, I think one of the best ways for us to realize if there's something wrong, whether it's PTS, PTSD, you know, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, is other people, our children, our wives, you know, but it's a hard thing to ask, hey, have you noticed anything different about me, about my behavior? Because usually it's when we, we clash heads. So how, you know, what, what are some of the things that you've seen change in, in your partners? And then how have you been able to have those conversations? Um, I can probably speak to this a little bit. So where my husband works is along a major highway in St. Louis. And so he actually runs probably more car accidents than he does fire. Um, that's just the nature of where his house is situated. So um, he has seen some terrible, terrible accidents. Um, and luckily, though, for him, um, they 
their chaplain at their firehouse is phenomenal, phenomenal. He, he will, um, I, I can remember times where he has personally called Kevin to check on him to, I mean, get people together at the firehouse to, um, talk it out. Um, I, I always give the advice and I don't know if all fire houses have a chaplain, but regardless of religion, no religion, what denomination you are like, just take advantage of the help that is out there. Cause there is, there is help there. Um, they, they have, I don't know a firehouse that does not have some means to a connection to talk out your situation. So I just think that's very important. And with Todd, he was never a sleeper. So Todd would leave the firehouse and come home and was like the energy bunny. You know, he'd mow the lawn Um, He'd do something and then we'd do something that night. Really, he didn't really crash until the end of that first night off. When he had gone through something at the station or I could tell something was bothering him, he was just the opposite. So he would come home and, you know, maybe grab some breakfast and just go in and sit down and turn the TV on. And that that's just not him. So that's when I knew something had happened the night before something was building Or if he was um, picky with the kids, you know, I could tell if they would walk in the room and and he'd say something, just the littlest things would set him off with them. He never screamed or yelled, but you could tell it was just nitpicking. And that those were his signs that something had happened. Something was going on at the station. He had seen some, there was something. And that was always for me, his tell, so to speak. So I just kind of let him go. And eventually by the next morning, I'd ask him, so what's going on? And he would usually tell me he was pretty good at telling me, but there are a lot of people who stay in that mode that, that I know, and they stay in that mode for days and days and, and a long time. And it just keeps building. So for us, it's just reaching out also, like Tracy, you talked about the chaplain, just reaching out to other firemen and, and you know, we tell them to talk to others who have been through it and talk to them no matter when it is and and reach out. But I used to tell Todd that maybe you should talk to somebody. Maybe you should call whoever was on that call with you. Um, but that that was his tell, always. Anyone else want to add to that? Um, so when I... I can tell when my husband is also going through something because he gets incredibly angry. Like he's very defensive um, interactions with just general public, like at the grocery store, he gets overly irritated, you know, like, Oh, this stupid grocery cart isn't, you know, something and people in my way and stuff like that. So I can always tell like, it's it, it, you can, an incident happened and then it's like going up a roller coaster of, anger and resentment and just kind of being mean to just anyone that we just run into or something, not so much with our kids or the friends or, or anything like that, but just, you can just tell that there's like a general sense of, I don't know, malignancy in his mind or something. And then all of a sudden, like I'll see it. I, I've, I've watched it now for the last you know eight years and, uh, at just whatever breaking point it is. I haven't identified exactly what it is, but 
he will just go boom, craning down on a roller coaster and, and get really morose and cry and um, then get feel shame because he's crying and he doesn't want to tell me or doesn't want to burden me or, and stuff like that. And so um, one of the things that I love about this group is, is I've had to call Kevin and I've had to call Todd and I've had to hand them the phone and say, talk to him, do something with this because I don't have the tools in my toolbox to deal with this. And you guys do. And, and it's funny because they each give different answers, but both of those answers end up making Jake feel a lot better. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's really been an amazing friendship group that has developed from this, from even knowing Kathy and, and Tracy for a couple of years now and now Madison, that, you know, the incredible level of trust that we've placed in each other. Uh, women can be catty. Women can be kind of mean. Um, and, and I don't feel that at all from these ladies. I think that we're all kind of in it for the same thing. And to, to place the trust of your husband's mental health in their husbands and them and discuss it, I think is, is a really big step in, in, in what we actually need to accomplish with this group. Yeah, I agree with that because even just the emotions that Sarah was explaining that Jake has when he feels that way is a lot of the same things that I see out of Matt, my husband, and especially going back from when he deployed coming home, there was a lot of stuff that he was the area of talking about. And just, I started picking up on things. Like we always go to um, the beach on the 4th of July and just certain things you're like, well, I don't want to watch the fireworks this year. And just certain things he wouldn't really talk about. And then it's like, well, I just, let's just sit here for a second. And how are you really feeling? And going back to communication, that's really where we had to figure, figure out how to go about this and how we can make it work and how we can figure it out together. Because a lot of the times they don't want to talk. And like Sarah was saying, he came home the other day and was like, I had this happen at work. And I was like, okay, well, why don't you call Jake? I mean, him and Jake just recently got closer and I'm like, well, why don't you call him? Because that, that's something that I can't help you with because I've never been through something like that, but he may have a little bit of a better insight. And like Sarah said, I think that's why this group is so great because we have put that trust in each other. And it's one more person that you could reach out to that you may not have had before. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's such an important perspective as well, because, you know, we, we're the fixers, you know, and I think there is that kind of mask of masculinity or, you know, facade or whatever you want to call it, that we're impervious and we're not. We're human beings that, um, you know, had this desire to make the world a little better, found our way in one of these uniform professions, um, which is just that. It's a costume at the end of the day, but we're still human beings, you know, so of there's so many compounding elements, of course. What we see is huge. What we bring into the job is huge. I can relate totally to the the fireworks and all that stuff. I hate fairs and, you know, cruise casinos, anything with noise and lights. It's not like I crawl up, crawl up into a ball, but it's just that hypervigilance. You know, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want more anxiety. I want less. I want to sit and watch the ocean from a balcony, you know. Um, but, you know, you guys are... For, well, firstly, you're a mirror. You're, you're the you're the lens to us, but we also need to turn it around the other way. I mean, Madison, you said you work in the ER too, so you you are exposed to a lot yourself, and you have shift work and a lot of the, the same elements. But it's so important for us to talk to each other and say, you know, when 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 we're acting differently, 
to be able to have that communication where you can tell us, hey, you're kind of being a dick out there at the moment. What's going on? <laughs> you know, I mean, that person would just pulled in front of you and like you want to murder them, which is me. Um, you know, there's clearly something going on. So it's it's so important for us to have these conversations at home too. And you have to have a good relationship too. That's that whole from the beginning to end. If you don't feel like your relationship is in a good place, you're not going to come home and share that with us. And it just makes it worse for you. Yeah. Now, just quickly before we talk about the the firewives, um, one thing that I realized that we don't do very well as a profession is punctuate the shift to home life. And I love the idea of doing, you know, a, a few laps around the station, a, you know, meditation practice, 10 minutes of yoga, you know, stop and get a coffee and sit in Starbucks and read a book for half an hour. What are some of the the things that that you think work as far as getting us out of firefighter mode, or you know, and and again, same for you, getting out of ER nurse mode and coming back, um, and punctuating the person that we needed to be to the father, husband, wife, whatever that we need to be when we walk through the door of the house. We were very clear from the get go before we even got married, when we moved here together, what we wanted out of life for our children, our family. So we kind of have this great friendship group. We have a great social life. We have our two children. So when he came home after he had coffee, he would usually go mow the lawn, which would put him like, you know, right back in family mode. We had so much on our plates together as a couple, that it it didn't take him long to get out of that mode. You know, it, it really did not. That was what we did together was we moved right on to what we're doing. Oh, remember, we're doing this this weekend. Oh, we have to go today. We, we made plans when he was at the station. You know, let's go to Home Depot at 11. You know what? So we, we never left the next couple of days to chance. We always had things for us planned. So I think that was for us what kept him in that mode um, for not very much longer after he arrived home. That, and he talks to the firemen all day. I mean, <laughs> that's okay though. I mean, you know, they would call at noon and want to have a quick laughing conversation about last night. I actually think that helped him. It kept him connected without really cutting into our time. So I, I don't, that was never a problem. We just created that parallel. And a lot of our friends are firefighters. I mean, from the day one, the, his recruit class, they're still some of our best friends. So we he always included me in everything that went on there. Not not the work, but, you know, the, the social life around the fire station was really helpful for us and for me. I can really relate to that because we we tend to do the same thing. He'll come home and we'll have a cup of coffee. It's like, how was the night? How was the day? And we'll move on from there. Like Kathy said, we're, we're go, go, go. Okay. Let's do this. We're going to do this today. And we don't really, he, he does bring some of it home and say same for me, but we talk about it and then we let it go and we enjoy, enjoy that time together because in two days he's right back on shift again. So it's like, if we don't enjoy our time, we had no time to focus on each other. So like Kathy says, we really, try to plan, okay, we're going to do this tomorrow. Let's do this tomorrow and 
try to leave that behind. It's hard. It's hard not to bring stuff home from both perspectives. But if I mean, if you don't focus on each other, then I mean, you're really going to get nowhere with it and you're just going to be back to work and it's going to be a vicious cycle and you're not going to have any time to focus on each other and building that relationship. Anyone else want to add anything before we move on? No, beautiful. Okay, well then let's talk about Firewife Life. So people listening, either they're responders and, you know, hopefully their their partner, their their spouse would want to listen to this conversation um, or they're already their spouse and they are listening. So tell me about the different kind of, um, you know, outlets that you have, the the actual events, the online events, that kind of thing. We do well. We have our home online for for wives. Our Facebook page. We're rebranding and redoing our home on the website. But then we actually go to conferences. We will go to a conference, and while there is a regular firefighter conference going on, we'll do one simultaneously for the wives. So we'll have a mimosa brunch where the wives get to have this kind of conversation. You know, we literally throw it out there. Let's talk. It's not a husband bashing. It is not a firefighter bashing type of situation. We really don't want anything to do with that. But we do know that when women find out, just this is what we've learned, that we all have the same thoughts, just getting them out is really important. So, we, we do that. We will bring in speakers. We're going to have two retreats. So we will come to your area, but we're going to do one in Missouri. We're going to do one in Atlanta, just female retreats. And that's where we'll have some other guest speakers, maybe firemen, may not, but we, we're going to put that together. I mean, we will, we're going to do some, um, we're going to be doing some, what is the word I'm looking for? Obstacle coursing so that women can also learn what that's like. We'll come into a fire department. We'll talk to spouses. We'll do it as a spouse. We'll do it as a wife. So we're open to pretty much whatever we think you need or you need response to as a wife or a, a wife in a family. That's what we're here to do. We, we're new. We know we're going to grow and learn. As we talk to more wives, what their more pressing needs are, which hopefully will expand our program base and and what we can and cannot do, we're hopefully eventually can have a hotline. So, you know, we're we're open to doing what other women want to. Not, you know, the five of us. You know, we have all the answers, but <laughs> we have uh, in particular that we have coming up. Um, so Kathy and I will be in Carolina Beach. Um, Alan Griffin has his um, big conference uh, first. Oh, um, I should have wrote this. First do first first do. do tactics. Yeah. So that is next Tuesday through Friday. Um, mm-hmm. Kathy and I, along with Heather Griffin, who is actually part of our team, um, we are doing a afternoon get together for wives that are, um, that are coming. It's not a full on conference or anything, but it is a, a little get together that we'll have, um, at the pool area, um, while the guys are at their keynote, I do believe that was it Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. And then we have, um, in July, mid July, we have in Missouri at Lake of the Ozarks, um, we have David, uh, Woodard has his, uh, 
revolutionary. I, I always forget the names of these. <laughs> I should have wrote all revolutionary the Revolutionary fire tactics yes. at the lake. <laughs> yes, Sarah wasn't wearing the shirt this time. I couldn't remember it. So um, Beth, who David's wife, uh, she pretty much runs the show. She has us coming in for a mimosa brunch. So Kathy and I will be at that one as well. Um, Sarah, are what are are you have anything coming up? Um, I know you have the hot, but that's just for fire life, correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Matt is at, here in Atlanta. We'll be doing a retreat in October, and then we'll be doing one in Missouri in November, and mm-hmm. then um, myself and um, Tracy and Sarah, we're currently working on um, a full wives and family program in November. Um, we're just getting all the logistics taken care of. We'll be announcing it in the next couple of weeks in Kansas City. Kansas, not Missouri. Kansas City. That's right. I have to say Kansas. Kansas City, Kansas. Yes. Brilliant. Olita, I believe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, for everyone listening, then where where can they find the Facebook page, and what what do they search for, and then where can they find the the page within the website? Um, I can say. So, oh, sorry, Kathy. No, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so our Facebook, um, if people just search Firewife LLC, we're on there, and that's also our Instagram handle, so you can find us on either, and then our website is under the firelife training associates.com and then mm-hmm. uh, there is a fire wife life tab where you can see everything that we're about how we came up um, everything we have to offer the phone number and ways to get in contact with us and then there's also a page where uh, it has an about us or contact us something where you can yes. read all about our different individuals and what each person does. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole fire life training is being redone. So mm-hmm. when it's, I mean, that, uh, that part of it will be probably completely finished. It's on there now, but it'll be much more updated and it'll have all of our phone numbers, our email addresses on there as well. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, I want to say thank you so much. I think what you are doing is much needed and some of the, perspectives perspectives that you offered i think a lot of us in the responder communities that wear the uniforms um can definitely glean some of your perspectives um so i just want to say thank you for being so generous with your time today this was a fun conversation with four of you all in this chat room together um are there any any parting words anything you want to kind of tell the audience before we close this down No, just I want to say thank you for having us. Yes, we're really excited about being on your show and about our program and what we're doing. So thanks for giving us this venue to to be heard by people who may need what we're offering. Thank you very much. Thank you.